Happy Monday and welcome to the Between the Dream podcast. I'm your host, Richard Taylor Jr., reporting to you live from the Workforce HQ in Edmonds, Washington. Y'all, we are in for a banger today for several reasons. I got a brand new microphone, so hopefully I sound better in the booth and in the space that I'm in. But beyond that, we are in for a treat because we have a phenomenal guest with us. But before we jump into that, I just want to make sure I say thank you to everybody who's tuning in to the podcast. If you are new, Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Please make sure that you subscribe on whatever platform you might be listening on and leave a positive review. For those of you all that are returning, my dream team, thank you so much for your continued support. It means the world to me. This would not happen without you all. And help me help myself when it comes to figuring out this algorithm as we continue to take this podcast up in 2022. Fam, look, I am so elated for today's conversation. I have a phenomenal individual with me, uh, my brother, Jason Phillips. Let me tell you all a little bit about him, right? He is a licensed clinical social worker. He is the man amongst men. This brother is literally everything. He has been featured on WebMD, Forbes, NAMI. That is the National Alliance of Mental Illness. And I want to make sure I say shout out to my NAMI family. I now sit on the board of directors for NAMI Eastside in Washington State. So he is out here doing the work. He's been featured on Fox, NBC, Cosmopolitan, Voyage ATL, BuzzFeed, CBS. He has spoken at universities. He's done it all. He is a coach, a, a an amazing, um, just therapeutic voice. He is also the host of the Peace and Prosperity podcast, which y'all make sure y'all check out. All the way from North Carolina, my brother, Jason Phillips. Jason, thank you so much for tuning in with us today, my brother. Bro, I'm geeked. You gave me the best intro I've had ever. So, <laughs> so I know it's about to be lit. Let's go. <laughs> yes, sir, man. I'm happy to be here. Doing, bro? I'm happy to be here, bro. And I wanted to say this earlier, but I don't want to forget because I'll be forgetting. Thank you for just the, the <laughs> I do. thank you for just the acknowledgement of the podcast. And that gave me so much motivation to just keep going and keep pushing. Seriously, I mean that. I mean that. Yeah, no, most deaf, man. You've been doing some great work, man. It was dope getting a chance to fly back from, uh, man, it was, I was leaving, uh, I was headed to uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota, and it's so funny. I have been behind on listening to podcasts. I've been trying to sub out um, when I'm not working out. I've been trying to sub out my listening with my podcast. Now, typically I'm doing the visuals. I'm a visual person. So like um, all the smoke podcasts, um, I am athlete, yep. the pivot club, Shay Shay. I'll watch them on YouTube and I'm on a flight and I'm like, man, I have not actually tuned into my Apple podcast lately. And then, you know, I click yours because you're sitting right at the top of the list. And I saw that it was like a several new episodes. And man, I'm like, you on there with my homegirl, Dr. M. Man, yeah. listen, that, that got me so happy, man. Um, Ebony, for those of y'all don't know, Dr. Ebony Butler is phenomenal. But Dr. Ed, man, we met in 2015 when Periscope was popping. Man, she just an avid supporter, uh, always down for the cause. Such a gift when you talk about somebody who is not only knowledgeable but that is so like vulnerable in sharing and so when I saw that you had the podcast episode with her that's where I started and I was I, yeah. I, at first I felt I felt some type of way I was like no she was not in, in Portland because we only two and a half hours away from Portland 
But then as I listened to the podcast, I was like, oh, she did this intentionally to where she didn't let anybody know. So I had to yeah. give myself a check. I was like, all right, I get it. I get it. <laughs> but man, phenomenal work that you're doing, man, bringing people together. Um, I know that you, um, with the Peace and Prosperity Company, you've been doing a lot of work on the coaching side. Man, you do everything. So tell us, man, just a little bit about yourself, about the work that you do, what gets you started yeah. into it, man. Just hit us with all of it, bro. No, bro, it, it is a lot, you know, and I, to be honest. So I, I've been a therapist for a little over 10 years, like 12 years now. I've done therapeutic work in community mental health. I've worked on college counseling. I've worked with veterans. I've had the honor of working with uh, active duty soldiers. I mean, the gamut, the full gamut with therapy, grief and loss. And then I drifted over to coaching life coaching but specifically i focus on confidence i love the confidence coaching i do one-on-one -on -one and group coaching and over the past four years i've been an adjunct professor uh, down here at fayetteville state university too so and, and then you know like, speaking can we, can we not just gloss past that real quick like i don't have an adjunct professor on on my podcast right now I got an educator on my podcast, y'all. This is amazing. Go ahead, bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. So it's, it, you know, speaking engagements, it, it keeps you busy, but I love it. But I really love these type of convos where I get to sit down and chop it up with my brother, who I love your videos, your story, your book. I mean, your books, <laughs> a plethora, right? So it's it's like the, the motivation is mutual, man. I really do. Uh, I'm inspired by you and your work, your body of work. Man, you as well, bro. That means a lot to me, man. Um, I, I thank you for that. Tell me this. What got you started in the field of mental health? Like, because I know some people, like, I feel like everybody has a story around mm -hmm. it, but I know that for some, you know, it comes from the lived experience, maybe somebody that you know. Like, what was, as a kid from Detroit, Michigan, like, what was it yes. for you that you just knew this was, like, my passion work? So, it started with, like, lived experiences. So, on my father's side is, is heavy alcohol and drug abuse and just other family, you know, just had health issues. And I was always just curious, like how come some people struggle with alcohol and drugs and some people don't, how come some people can lose weight and stay in shape and some people can't, how come some people know how to manage money and some people don't. So I was really drifted towards psychology, just like why, do people yeah. think certain ways? Why do people struggle and some people don't? So that was my focus for, you know, undergrad. And even like we had majors in high school, but we didn't have a psychology major. So I, I went with business. So right, 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 right. did psychology and undergrad. And then it wasn't until my senior year where I found out about social work and as far as therapy, because both of my grandparents were social workers, yeah. but they were uh, case managers. So they were doing traditional social work, which is nothing wrong with that. I just, that wasn't my thing. So right, right. I found out when I was trying to go to grad school, like, you know, the options, PsyD, PhD. And then somebody said, well, there's also uh, MSW. I'm like, what is that? So I got hip to, you know, you know, and, and, you know, being from Detroit, I was at Eastern Michigan. University of Michigan is like two, three miles, four miles down the road. It's really right there. Oh, okay. And they cool. and they had the number one school of social work in the country. So I was like, by that time, I was doing really well in college. I got really serious. And I said, you know what? That would be dope to go right down the road, especially if it's one of the top programs for social work. Why not? 
and it opened up so many doors for me, bro. So that's what got me started. And then what kept me with social work too is that, yes, um, I still love psychology, always will. But if your basic needs are met, if you don't have housing resources, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. then it's hard to think about going to therapy and that's changing good. your life when you don't have the basic needs. So I see a need for both psychology and social work. Oh, 100%, 100%. Mm-hmm. And I think too, man, you're doing some great work from the standpoint that you get a chance. I just got through with a speech um, uh, uh, earlier today um, where we, one of the points that I gave to this group of like business leaders who are serving in their community was this conversation of leaning in, you know? Um, and and I, I told them, I was like, you know, we've got to challenge ourselves when it comes to it, right? Specifically around our like, smaller groups are one-on-one sessions and times like that where you have such a great opportunity to lean in with people at a face level right and just like be there with them to understand like you said basic needs right um knowing what they're going through helping them to feel seen and not just like another number right and i think that's phenomenal bro because one of the things that we get a lot of times from individuals even i mean let's be honest right um as as somebody who does a good amount of work with licensed therapists and mental health professionals. Man, um, and I, I think you could probably speak to this too, even though the system is starting to change when it comes to like, I think the new age of mental health professionals coming into the space, man, but for so long, you know, people were treated like just another number, right? It was just, you know, you another caseload, got you, boom, move you to the side. And that was it. And, um, I think with us having deeper conversations around destigmatizing the realms of mental health and everything that we're doing, we're starting to see more and more now like this shift where the push is being intentional with the bodies in front of us at that time, man. And so even the fact that you do it from a therapeutic standpoint in therapy, but then also too, like you do coaching as well, right? Yeah. I think that dynamic, man, like you've got so many tools in your bag. And uh, man, I think that's just something that I think a lot of people, definitely those who are interested in mental health, even those who might not be professionals, but maybe you care, like you don't mm-hmm. have to be a professional to be intentional with people to lean in, right? Like yeah, you setting you setting a great example for us to take just in our daily living as a whole, bro. And I, w- I want to say this. Thank you, bro. Um, between therapy and coaching, they are different but one big similarity is that you have to have connection with the person you're working with absolutely and and i think people try to like oh therapy's not coaching coaches not therapy they are different but the similarity if you don't connect with your client if they don't trust you if they don't feel safe around you they're not going to tell you what's going on if they're struggling with imposter syndrome or if they're dealing with trauma Um, I'll say I had a, a somebody I was working with just last week said, hey, I really in, I enjoy working with you. We're, we're about to do some trauma work. And they said, I'm just happy that you actually like care because mm-hmm. and this was a female, you know, a woman. So they're like, look, I feel safe in this session and going through this process with you. And that. that really that really helped me. Like It just warmed my heart because I'm like, yeah, I do care and i'm not just looking at people as another number if i can't help you or if i feel like i'm not the best person for you for whatever you have going on i will refer you out to somebody else 
And that's because I care enough not to just take you along because it's that's a journey. Yeah, it is. And shout out to you for doing that. I think anybody who's listening that is in any profession, listen, it is okay to sometimes not have it all for people. Sometimes you are called to be the resource. And that's yes. okay as well, right? <laughs> I think that we can do that. Dude, you said something that I want to backtrack to real quick when you started to talk about the differentiation between therapy and coaching. And I want to take it a little deeper um, because of the fact that one of the big things that I'm seeing right now, and I appreciate the post from therapists that do this, but I think too, we have an opportunity to really shift the scope to remember that we are all in this we're supposed to all be in this yes. from the business of helping each other, right? But I do believe that there is a lane that each of us has, and we've got to be able to make sure we're in position and not getting out of that lane, right? So when we see the post around how coaching is not therapy, very true, right? I've yes. always had this vision of individuals that are advocates or like myself that have that lived experience who've been able to overcome and in my mm -hmm. overcoming essentially being somewhat of a poster child when you talk about what therapists would love to see from clients when you after going through so many traumatic experiences yeah. taking that lived experience and that advocacy and bridging a gap with those who have the credentials and the professional day-to-day um, -day working within it and coming together to create something bigger and the reason why and I'm pretty sure you mm -hmm. have seen a lot of people or some people at least kind of moving into this flow but I have for the last three years 2019 was the first time I was at Bowling Green State University actually and I think that's where the bulb switched for me it was their world mental health day presentation that they had me come out and do and this was like the eighth college that I was in in like the last two months and typically what happens for me is I'll bring um, I'll, I'll make sure that they if I know a therapist in the area I'm like yo like let me throw you some bread real quick. Come slide down with me in case we got some people that need to make a connection. Or I'm like, hey, if the college has their own counseling department, see if you can get a, a person or two. What I started to see even before COVID was a thing, and I knew we were going to see an uptick in this as we started to move out of COVID, was that, you know, a lot of these places are short staffed when it comes to mental health professionals, right? Um, overwork, yes. underpaid, and then short staffed. And so, there have been several spaces that I've sat in with other mental health professionals where they are starting to see the trajectory shift to um, a community-based approach to mental health because of the fact that, one, our mental health professionals are, are tired, burnt out. Man, I can't tell you how many friends I got that have been phenomenal therapists for 10 to 20 years. And some of them are like, yeah, um, as soon as COVID is over or it slows down, I'm backing out. I'm going into real estate. I'm backing out and I'm going to, you know, make a shift because mm -hmm. I just can't handle it anymore. Right. And it's not like this is like a one off where it's just every so often like this is happening by the droves now. Yeah. So I say all of that to say, though, that with the point that you made, it's going to take all of us. Right. But I do mm -hmm. believe that there's a level of humility that we have to take where coaches understand their place, right? You don't have to try and be somebody's therapist, right? Your gift is to right. be able to connect to people and you help with what you can help with, soft skills, all that. Guess what? It's still as important as helping with the mental health side, right? And then for those mental yes. health professionals, I think it's really dope too that we understand that like, yo, it's not a, it's not a competition. It's not about a matter of taking place. But I do believe that we have to have these conversations where we say, 
what's within our bounds, what's not within our bounds, and be okay with that understanding that we can all thrive. And at the end of the day, we can't be fighting for pennies on the shore when we got people drowning in the deep. Oh, you said a lot, which is, let's touch on it. So this is what I think uh, can happen. I think mental health professionals or licensed professionals can do, can educate. We don't have to, yes. we don't have to hate. We can educate the, the, the large amount of people who want to help, whether it's mental health advocacy, mental health coaches, whatever that looks yeah. like, we as professionals can say, hey, let's help them and, and make criteria if, if we want to help them with certifications. So that way they can be supplement or supplemental resources for what we Absolutely. already are doing. Um, we're not going to be able to keep up with, with where mental health is at now. I predict in five years or maybe shorter, there's going to be so many people who want a therapist, but there's not going to be enough therapists. We're already seeing caseloads, you know, getting pushed out five, six weeks. Out the wazoo, yes. Uh, and two solutions. We either embrace our resources or we also move to more of a group therapy model. I love that. And, Talk to us about and, that, bro. Yeah, so the research shows that in individual therapy and group therapy, like if you're treating anxiety, depression, or even trauma, there's evidence-based treatment that have that can be done in a group therapy. I learned how to practice CPT, cognitive processing therapy, in a group in a group setting. Now you now you just have to educate the people, the the actual patient or client that it's it's good and it's worthy. But then you also have to educate the clinicians because a lot of clinicians don't like public speaking, even if it's in front of five or 10 people. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they much rather would do the one-on-one. So we have to embrace each other and honor what each other can do as opposed to saying, well, they're charging too much or they're hurting. What can we do to help it and not yeah. just uh, have this, this tension between us? Big facts. And I'm glad that you said that because this has actually been on my mind a lot when it comes mm -hmm. to like, I know that we get a lot of likes for some of the stuff we put up, um, but I'm always of the mindset, you know, futurists kind of like, okay, but what is our resolve for it? And I love what you said around this idea of, use one word, and I hope we all are paying attention to that, this aspect of being a resource, right? Like we all in some way, shape or form are being a resource. And this is why I made the statement of like what I said, there's a gap that can be bridged between advocacy and those who are licensed professionals. And in that, we help each other more than we think, right? Because here's yes. the reality, right? Um, I, I don't, some of us are educated from experience. Some of us are educated from the classroom. But at the mm -hmm. end of the day, there is somebody out there or there are a group of somebody's out there that will be able to resonate with each and every one of us and they need us. Yeah, they all need us, bro. And, and they we have to break we all are breaking the stigma of mental health. 100%. See, that's the part 100%. that that we don't, I don't think we highlight enough. All of the people who are pushing for mental health resources, whether you're wearing a t-shirt that says, hey, I'm not okay, or we have PTSD too. All of those Shout help. Our brother, Aaron Mueller, black therapist with these shirts. I right. Give me one real quick. <laughs> right. Aaron Mueller, we got Dr. Shonda. Yeah. All of those Bache things help. Where we at? We got them all. Bache, heart, hearts and mind counseling. Yes, right. Sir. <laughs> all, all of those things collectively help us 
like I, I go to the barbershop now. My barber's like, yeah, you know, I got a therapist. And we were talking about it. He didn't even know I was a therapist. I got a new barber. But yeah. that's how much we're talking about this now. Yeah, I love yeah. that. And we need to, man. And I think, too, one of the things that I love is that, like, I don't know how it got started, but we have this amazing community of, like, Black male therapists. And I'm not a therapist, but as a as a it's funny because people will call me a mental health expert and I've never really like taken on the, the you got to embrace the, it. I, I get it though. Expert in my own experience. Right. And then being able to help others within that, but as an advocate who has been able to help simplify the conversation of mental health for people, man, we got this amazing circle, right? So some of those names that we mentioned, we could throw Donzel Post in there. Well, I, I know I'm forgetting some uh, people. We Purvis, got, um, Purvis Taylor, Dr. Purvis. Yeah. Like we got, you got so many amazing men. Dude, what I love about this is that it is so dope to see that the dots are definitely being connected, not just for us to commune and have this space, mm -hmm. but I think it's really starting to, and maybe it hasn't blown the door open yet, right? But I do <laughs> believe that it is starting to like creak the door open when it comes to really starting to dispel the myth around one, obviously there are no black therapists, there are no black male therapists, but then two, when it comes to helping folks connect the dots, when it, when, when it comes to resources within their community, in their specific yes. state, right? You know, we, we, we don't know sometimes because we haven't been exposed. And so as the community continues to grow, every time I see a therapist has followed me and then I look on Instagram to see like yeah. who we're connected to, like, I'm like, oh, these yeah. Like, so, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And I, I just, love that. Bache said this, cause I, I remember I was kind of new to Instagram a couple of years ago and he, share one of my posts. And next thing I know, I'm getting like 30, 40, 50 real followers. I'm like, dang, somebody really liked that post, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it was because Bache had shared it and said, go yeah. follow this brother. We hadn't talked or nothing. I really appreciate him doing that. So now, you know, when I see therapists, I just give them a follow and I try to shout them out because yeah, it's definitely. needed, that community is so, so needed. Our verbiage, how things are said, but between different folks, like I said, you know, you, you're going to have individuals that can reach people from a level of high intellect when it comes to this. But then mm -hmm. also, too, like, man, like, shout out to the therapist in the hood, like, literally yeah. breaking it down for the little homies on the block for them to be able to understand it, right? Like, every aspect yeah. and facet is so important. I would say it's more important on that side, honestly, because man, when you can really tap into the young minds and then when you can tap into the minds of uh, of, of those who are marginalized, bro, mm. man, you are- they, They're hurting the most. Yeah, but under, they're hurting that, hurt, the most. under that pain, when you talk about potential though, right? Like, and what they possess, yeah. they're all gifted, talented. It's just a matter of being able to help guide that. Uh, it's kind of like Professor X with the X-Men, man, right? Like, you know, and granted, Professor X was a little OC at times, but- when he first started the school, with a gift, the, the whole notion was, let yeah. me teach you how to hone your powers, right? Yep. Through all of this, this trauma and everything else that you're going through, bro, I, I, I find a lot of mental health conversations from comic books. So bear with me. <laughs> no, no, bro. But it's, but it's, but it's real. real. It's real. And so I love that y'all are doing that, man. So just roses, flowers on that, man, because, um, you know, I I love this is the fact that you said five years from now earlier when we were talking about, you know, um, this 
this notion of the 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 communal part of a therapy but you know five years from now i can't wait to see what it looks like when it comes to like the 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 work that's being done by pioneers in the space now but then also like who you all are inspiring to jump into the field right like i, I really feel like the numbers are going to multiply and quadruple prayerfully in the next five years man so yeah thank so. you for that so it's uh, it's funny because this leads me right into um man the question that i really wanted to ask you for today right like okay we i think next no this upcoming week will make two full years of like the shutdown right yeah and yeah. with that man i really wanted to ask you this because here it is like you know mandates are starting to lift us in seattle um I think actually in two days, you know, we won't have to wear masks. They stop at checking for vaccination. Uh, some offices are starting to bring people back in, get into some sense of normalcy, man. Just in your mind, specifically around the realm of, and not like necessarily even like the deep clinical side, but just our daily living emotionally, mentally, where do we go from here, bro? Oh, and it's a lot. It's a lot to unpack because I it think is. some of us are ready some of us are ready to kind of like get back to normal, take the mask off, you know, just start living again. And then there's other people who are more apprehensive. So, and that's who I really, I'm, I'm concerned about both because I think sometimes we can do things too rapidly. And then we're like, oh man, we shouldn't have did this or we shouldn't have done this yet. And then those people who are still really nervous about it, I feel like they don't have a voice. So people yeah. who don't want to go back to the office, who don't, want to not wear their mask, but now they're afraid of being judged. So they just don't do anything. That's, that's the, 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 the population that I'm concerned with because they're nervous about what can happen. So we've been cooped up for two years, not yeah. taking vacations like that, not traveling like yeah, that, listen, not going out to listen, eat as man. much. That does a lot. Like I used to love just going out to eat in restaurants and traveling like before COVID, I was supposed to go to Houston for yeah. a podcast, actually for a podcast okay. and everything just stopped. And after that, I was like, I don't know if I'm ever get there. Mm. So we have to now think about what can we do so that we can get back to not just normalcy, but like getting happy. So transitioning yeah. from being secluded, you know, not, not even seeing your family and your folks but how can you do this and still be comfortable? And yeah. I think it starts with this. I want to be very concrete. Set your boundaries and, you know, your limitations and expectations. So if you want to go somewhere, but everybody's going to be maskless and you want to wear your mask, I want you to go and wear your mask with pride. <laughs> like, don't be ashamed of it. Like, like, that's where I think people lack the, the confidence to do that. So they just don't do anything. And that leads them to feeling like that low level depression. And they don't know why, but it's because they're, they're nervous about being who they are, because I think all of us are coming out of COVID something different than what we did going into it. Mm -hmm. That's so good, bro. I love that you put that out there too, because I think one of the things that we forget is that we all carry a different level of comfortability just in general, right? This is even before yeah. COVID. Right, right. We're, right. All our own, we're all our own individuals. But then when you couple that part into it, man, like there is a lot of fear around it. There is the questions of, of, of what if or what are people going to perceive? I think it's great, though, that we can have someone like you just say, like, yo, stop caring, like care for yourself. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, think about you and not them. Right. 
that's that's wildly important, man. I love that. And then um, something that you said got me to thinking about this one thought, right? It sounds like from what mm-hmm. you're saying, too, because it's one thing to say get back to a sense of normalcy. And I personally don't believe that we will ever see normal again from what we originally knew it as coming into this two years ago, right? But I do believe that it sounds like, too, that um, this is actually an opportunity to start creating new habits from what I'm hearing from you. Yeah, definitely new habits and embrace those habits and and be comfortable with the sense of self of who you are. So identify what do you value? If you value family, if you value travel, if you value health, how can you implement your values in your day to day behavior? and feel proud about it because i think some people are not going to the gym because they don't you know they're concerned about covid or whatever yeah. it may be but it, but that's your value so now how can you get stay healthy and still honor your values and be safe at the same time and again that. just being less stressed and more confident about doing it yeah i love that bro that's great hey we're going to switch gears here still staying mm-hmm. with the questions but Um, I think that's great. You've hit us from an internal standpoint when it comes to us and some things that we can do moving forward within ourselves. Let me ask you this, though. Um, When it comes to us as people, because here's my belief is that no matter who we are, where we are, what walk of life we're from, we all carry something that can help somebody else. Maybe not everybody else. Mm -hmm. Clearly not everybody else, but somebody else. Right. So I think with that being said, man, something I want us to consider, and I think you got some solid answers for us. Right. But how can we best help and serve people moving forward? Like, what what are some things that we as people just in our daily like living our habits our our empathy whatever it might be like how can we best help and 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 uh be of support to people uh i'm being straightforward with this one bro i would say be more transparent mm. be more transparent like yeah, i look at you i look at you you know reading your books and looking at you know how you share openly about what you've been through your experiences uh it helps me I know it's helping other people. Yeah, seriously, be more transparent because now you get a chance to be more vulnerable, but you're helping somebody else because somebody else has been through or is going through what you've been through and they don't know what to do about it. But now they can see a little bit of light when they hear you speak about your journey or when they hear me speak about my journey. And it's like, oh, I'm connected to them. Even if we're not having a conversation, maybe I'm transparent through social media or a talk or a podcast like this but they're like oh so you've been through that too yeah yeah i've been through that and then it's just like that connection is there and that's what i i love you know I, i'm working on just being even more transparent because i think people can connect with that and they respect it too i love that yeah power in our stories man and uh i did mm-hmm. this one of the things i usually push with my audiences on the speech side is just like yo like I know that for some of us, you know, we feel like we got to have this like big dramatic story or we feel like it's got to be full of like trauma and oh yeah, I climbed Mount Everest <laughs> to get to the other side. But I'm like, man, like that, first of all, not everybody's wired like that. And the reality is, is that some people don't live that kind of life, right? Like you mm-hmm. have individuals that life was really good for them. Like that story has a place still, right? Mm-hmm. I think it, can, it speaks to the fruitfulness of what can be for somebody who doesn't see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? Like, you know, like everybody carries something different. So you don't need to like make it something that it's not, but like embrace you and your story. Embrace your story. Like I said earlier, I, I talked to somebody today 
and they were talking to me about my podcast and they said, oh yeah, I know you worked at Target and you did this and that. And I'm thinking, wow, <laughs> the, it. it was the same. <laughs> It was it's the small <laughs> things that people can resonate with, yeah. right? When you when you know you worked at Target, and you went through this. Everybody, you know, not everybody, but a lot of us are making, you know, eight nine dollars an hour and, and thinking that Thanks. oh, I'm about to get ten. I'm in I'm in the money now. So yeah, I mean for real, bro. Like, and so <laughs> I, I love that because here's the thing: like, there is no set like there is no set. Um, God, I don't even know the word, but there is no like set precedence that says like, this is where you're going to meet people. Like it's usually in the most random no. spaces. Yeah. And, like you said, yeah. So it's like, oh, t- if Target is the connection, you know, like, oh, like, <laughs> I love Target. You know what I'm saying? That's, like, that's it. That's the beauty of connection though, is that, and I think too, in a world that has gotten a chance to see a good amount of divisiveness over the last two years mm. in a world that has gotten an opportunity to, to, to look and consider how I could better connect with people who don't look like me, who don't think like me, who don't come from the same background. That is a great opportunity to say like, man, like what if T'Challa was right at the end of the Black Panther movie on the end credit scenes when he was sitting in front of the UN and he said, it's mm-hmm. not our differences that bring us together. I mean, it's not our differences that um, that separate us, but that bring us together, right? But then also in that being able to find connections in those differences and not knowing what we necessarily possess that somebody else can connect with. And I so, love that. I think, man, you hit it right on the head with that, bro. That's, that's special. Um, man, we're going to get ready to wrap it up here. Um, Cause I know, look, you three hours ahead of me. So I'm like, it's almost eight o'clock. Your time. Oh. Yes. For those of you all that don't know, we're not necessarily live. Like these are pre-recorded. Right. It's okay. But <laughs> that, that being said though, um, a few things I wanted to, kind of rapid fire to you real quick. The first is um, this idea. Well, it's really a question, but um, how would you encourage somebody who doesn't know how to empathize with people, or excuse me, how would you encourage somebody who doesn't know how to sympathize with people to embrace and learn empathy? And that's a deep one, bro. Repeat that one. Repeat that. So, I've, you know, we got this difference, like sympathy and empathy aren't the same thing for y'all, for, for those of y'all that, that, that might not know. And so here's the idea. It's like, I understand that with sympathy, it typically comes from this realm of like, I share a lived experience that's similar, right? But then mm-hmm. you have a lot of people who are connected to people that they don't share that same experience with, but it doesn't mean that just because they can't sympathize that they can't empathize. How would you encourage somebody who maybe doesn't carry the experience that would cause them sympathy with the person, how would you encourage them to learn to empathize and still, you know, that, that they, that they are capable of still caring for other people? Okay. Got it. Got it. So what I would say is even if you have not been through it, so you can't necessarily uh, sympathize and say, yes, I've been there, but you want to be able to hold space for that person. Think about the, the, the best way I would say is think about what you would want that person to say to you if you were going through something that they had not been through. So mm-hmm. let me give you an example. So let's say I've lost a, a child mm-hmm. and, you know, that, that's, that's near and dear to me and I'm struggling with that. But I know you haven't lost a child. How would you want 
you know, to interact with you or somebody to interact with you if they've been in that same situation. So it's kind of like trying to put yourself in their shoes, even if you haven't been through it, doesn't mean that you can't intellectualize how you want them to respond to you. Does that make sense? That's good. That's good, bro. That's good. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, because I know we're both from inner city areas, right? We're both, I'm, you're from right. Chicago, I'm from Detroit. But even if I had not been from Detroit, I have a sense of what inner city Chicago looks like. Yes. So it, it feels like. So I'm going to still hold space for you in that realm and not try to one up you or downplay your your situation or, or throw shade at you. And that's where the connection comes in. Right. Some of us are in relationships, too, where our partners did not have the same experiences that we had. Yes. They probably didn't because we're different. But when you can empathize and still hold space for them and, and then they leave with their dignity intact after they've shared with you what they've been through, then that's when you know you're doing a good job with empathy. That's good, and bro. I, you said something that was so strong. You said hold space. Hold space and let them leave with their dignity. And I stole that one from Dr. Purvis, but go ahead. I love it. But it's real though, right? Like, man, when we talk about holding space for people, we don't like a lot of times the space is usually held up with our opinion from just our lives, thinking that everybody else has lived that and mm -hmm. nobody else's matters. Right. But you, I love what you're saying though. It's like, bro, like you ain't that important. Like if we keep it at a being mm -hmm. like, you are yeah. that important. You're not the only one. And if you're really going to be about the work of advocating for people and you claim you want to see people better, you want this to be a country of peace, a place of peace. Like, bro, you got to be able to chill and, and not only just meet people where they are, but definitely like if you're in a position of power or whatever the case might be, like you got to be the one to hold space. Like you got an opportunity to be the voice for the voiceless sometimes. And I would say it in two words. Holding space means stop judging because mm. i want to make it very simple so people can stop judging people for what they've been through or what or, or what decisions they've made because that's yeah. not holding space a lot of us have made decisions that if we knew that what the outcome is now we'd be like heck no i wouldn't do that but we can't see the future that way so let's stop judging people for the decisions they made and start holding space so they feel open enough to share with you yeah. So we yeah. could if we could stop judging, we'd all be good. That's so good, man. That's so good. We're all human. We're all imperfect. Mm -hmm. None of us carry yeah. like a flawless life. And mm -hmm. I think the quicker mm -hmm. we get to that, the, the the better we be for one another. Man, I love it. Here we go. Rapid fire. We're gonna keep it moving, man. I love this. Um uh what would you say, Jason, is your greatest accomplishment up until this point? Oh my gosh, you asked some good questions. <laughs> uh, I, seriously, you guys, I would say, I don't know how to put this in, in a, from an accomplishment standpoint, like if it's like a, I would say really, it's a work in progress, but just being myself, yeah. that, that is the greatest accomplishment. Like you see the plaques on the wall and stuff like that, and all the, the roles that I carry, but being able to, you know, still come on here, you know, dress. I got my Malcolm X t-shirt. I love I Malcolm. That. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, you know, and that's my greatest accomplishment. You know, I got a compliment from you and I got a compliment from my younger client earlier. So it's like being myself is yeah. the greatest accomplishment because that takes work. 
Big facts, big facts. Talk on it, bro. I love it. Um, yeah. You a TV watcher? You a, a streamer yes. or anything? Um, yeah. Right so the only, the show that I would watch is Power. Okay. And then BMF. Yeah, that, yeah, okay. BMF. So I gotta I, I love, get into BMF. Those are the ones I can't. Get into BMF, bro. Did you watch any of them? No, that's what I'm saying. I got to I got to oh, check it oh, out. Man. Oh, I've once you well, once you get into it it's gone. Yeah, you're going to watch I heard you're gonna binge it. So. talk about BMF. I'm not a huge TV watcher, but I definitely will unplug. Don't talk about me, okay? Don't talk about me. <laughs> I feel like I'm Good. too far gone to even start Power now. Like I have never seen an episode of Power. Oh and my god. That's the only show. What do you watch? When you say that around black people, it's almost as bad as letting them know that you don't know how to play spades, which also right. I don't know how to do. So oh. <laughs> oh, bro, man, we have to get you together. Y'all about to revoke me. Please don't revoke me. <laughs> I don't watch a lot of TV though. So what do you watch? Because I really don't watch man, a lot, but I watch power. I'm a child. I'm a I am a I am a 12-year-old in a 30-year-old's body, right? So I <laughs> I have watched WWF, now WWE, for the longest period of time. So I still watch okay. Monday Night Raw. I watch Friday oh. Night SmackDown. Um, I will I will watch NBA games because I got a few teams and players that yeah. I love. And then I, specifically Tuesday, Thursday. Thursday's definitely inside the NBA with Chuck, Shaq, yeah, yeah, Kenny, Steve. And, I mean Kenny, man, Kenny, yeah, 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 man. And, and I'm like these guys, man. They are pure comedy, right? And I don't know how Ernie yeah. keeps them all together, but I love that. And uh, man, I'm so to my to my um to my defense, though, I'm getting out of the the holiday movie watching. I watch mm -hmm. a lot of Christmas movies. I save my classics for December, but man, but you're coming to November, America. No, I'm talking about Christmas movies. Yeah, that, that's I put that in the realm because you know, I get yeah, you go, you, you get <laughs> look, you, you talking that. about you talking about classic, classic Christmas, yeah, movies. but man, I you know, I get caught up in Hallmark and Lifetime, you know. I'm a I'm a hopeless romantic. My wife loves Hallmark movie because it's light and gentle. Oh, so your wife, she love that. She I'm the one that really loves it. it. I got her, I, I brought her over into it, and I think she loves it more than me now. One of the I Christmas gifts that she got us this year was matching Hallmark sweatshirts. I was like, you really think I'm about to wear this? Like and with you in public? Okay. Right. Funny. But but yeah, no, um, man, I I just started watching the um the live action fresh prince bel-air i heard i heard it's good i haven't watched i heard it's, it's real it's good it's a bop i like it i like it man. yeah um, I heard it, it puts our kind of spin in what it would look like in that real realm for real and then uh man i'm i gotta apparently from what folks been telling me i gotta check out the kanye documentary Ooh, i i watched that Oh yeah, yeah, I watched that. Oh, I watched shoot. it because because and I'm not going to tell you but it just was so it was so raw and it was 2003 4 Kanye. Yeah. It, it was it was amazing. It was yeah. it, it was amazing. I love it, and it was that. a real documentary that. like no edits, you know, it's a documentary. Oh, I love that. That's that's what yeah, I I can't yeah. wait to see it. Let me ask you this, bro. What you listening to Go right ahead. now? What you listen Man, to? Man, I, I, I stay listening. I stay listening to all '90s. Uh, I listen oh, yeah? to still. I'm Doggy Style, Chronic. Uh, okay. Big Sean, Big Sean. Detroit. Uh, okay. Erica yeah. and Mary J. Yeah, I, I'm and Jay Z too. But I, I listen to like the same five albums every year, pretty much. That's dope. Okay. <laughs> Any yeah, new artists yeah. that stick out to you at all? 
Um, <laughs> um, he said, no, shot. I am a true, <laughs> I am a true <laughs> 90s baby. I love yeah, it. So, <laughs> I don't listen That's to amazing, I don't though. listen to Lil Baby or the Baby or none the Kodak Black. I, I know the names, bro. but Lil Baby been catching my attention. Like just certain songs. I'll be like, oh, this is yeah. I'm like, oh. Now, Dub Baby, uh, you can keep the trash in the garbage for that one. But, you yeah. know, uh, but no, that's dope, though, man. That's dope. Um, <laughs> man, what's, uh, you know, short-term, short-term, long-term? Mm -hmm. What's one short-term goal you want to accomplish? Just say 2022. Keep growing my, oh, grow my podcast, but I'm going to make it more specific. Add the YouTube component. That's coming. The video component is coming to the yeah, podcast. you and me both. I love that. We got to yep. do that. We got to yep. do that. Long-term goal, man. Something that you dream, that you just that you, you envision and that you want to see happen? Oh man, long-term, I think be a millionaire. Dang. If I, yeah, we're about to be sitting on yachts together, brother. What's yeah, up? Yeah, yep, yep. We're going to roll up. That's that's long-term. Bitcoin, yep. here we come. No, just right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I love it, I love it. Real quick, before we get out of here, bro, tell us about the Peace and Prosperity podcast, man, the goal behind it. The impetus, all of it, just just hit us with it real quick. Man, I love so the Peace and Prosperity podcast. I I embrace it now. I really love it. The behind it is me able to share who I am and how I help people, people who are going through self love challenges because we need to all do a better job of loving ourselves and then yeah. self confidence, having more confidence in who we are and embracing that. That's the method behind the madness of the podcast, and then now. Just over the past five or six episodes, I've been bringing on some amazing speakers because at first yeah. I was like, look, that's too much to manage. Let me just talk on there myself. But it's great to have different people in different lanes. So we're yeah, all live on Apple, Spotify, all of that. <clears throat> I love it. Real quick before yeah. we out of here too. Last one. Let us know everybody where they can find you, where they can follow you and everything that you bring into the table there. Yes, sir. So Facebook and Instagram at J Phillips MSW. Um, that's Facebook and Instagram. And then my website is jasonlphillips.com. And then of course, last but not least, the Peace and Prosperity podcast streaming on all platforms. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, I have been, I wish I had like the little applaud noise at the end of it. <laughs> My brother, Jason Phillips, out of North Carolina, originally by way of Detroit. I think that's easy to say. Man, phenomenal, yes, brother. Make sure y'all follow him. Stay in tune. Check out his podcast. Check out his work, his posts on social media. And man, if this is somebody that, you know, you never know, right? Like we talked about resources. Check in with him, too, on the coaching side, right? What he provides yeah. there. You know, I think, you know, each one teach one and we all need community. So until next time, ladies and gentlemen, you are not losing in life. You are not failing. You are simply between the dream. What's between the dream, right? We talk about this a lot. It's like, Richard, what is it? Between the dream is not just the title of this podcast or my second book. It's also a way of life. Between the dream is the point between your present moment and your promise. I like to call that area in the middle, the process. Between the dream is the process. When you embrace your process, you embrace your progress. And when you embrace your progress, I believe that you can walk into every promise, purpose, and plan meant for your life. So that being said, let's have a great week. You're not losing. You're not failing. You're simply between the dream. Peace.